Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Mark Regner. This is episode 75, and our guest uh, is uh, Danny DeKaiser, Red Wing defenseman. Uh, we're also doing Facebook Live for a little bit, too, so everybody doing Facebook Live, welcome to uh, the proceedings as well. And uh, let's bring Danny in and get started right away. Danny, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, what did you do with the Porsche? <laughs> I still got it. I drive it around. Dude, yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I thought you were going to give that to Witkowski. <laughs> no, no. He wouldn't fit in that. I barely fit in it. I know he won't. Really? So yeah. it's 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 real low to the ground and it's small? Yeah, yeah. It's it's real low. It's small. And the, even when the seat's all the way, it's just a two-seater. So when the seat's all the way back, there's still you're still kind of crammed in there. Could you believe that you did get that hole-in-one, that you were able to? Not really. It's pretty lucky. I mean, I'm not, I'm not I'm not a great golfer by any means, so. How often do you take it out? I mean, do people in, in the neighborhood or uh, do people want to drive it? Do they ask you to, to give them a ride? Or no, anything? nobody's really. No, I mean, I, have, I guess a couple of people I have, but um, I, I just take it out on uh, on sunny days and when it's nice out, stuff like that. Yeah. How fast have you gone in it? <laughs> Honestly, uh, about ninety maybe. Oh, give me a break! Ninety? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ninety out of the driveway. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> ninety, maybe ninety-five. I don't. Know. Really? That's you haven't punched it over a hundred? <laughs> no, I haven't. Really? No. You're wasting the car. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I guess so. I mean what you have what, it's, all, what, it's all about zero to sixty. Yeah, well zero to yeah. sixty in two seconds and then sixty to one forty in the next two seconds. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to try that. So you so this was a lease that you've got. So you're gonna have yeah. to give this car up in how long? Two years. Two years? It was two years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. so you have it for quite a while still. Yeah, yeah, I still got it for another, over a year, so. So so you haven't been reckless at all. You know, you only go like 90 miles an hour, which is still over the speed yeah. limit. I like, the, I like the pop, you know, when you're sitting there at the light, getting it going, you know. Do that. people try to, you know, if you're on, you know, whatever, Lakeshore Drive, I don't think that's a real, you know, but Woodward or Telegraphic for my area. You know, right. you never drag race or anybody try to challenge you. No, you know? no, nobody's nobody's ever tried to challenge me. No. no. So do people look at? Do you find people staring at the car when you're driving? Sometimes, it? yeah, sometimes. Are it's they staring at the car? Are they saying, "Wow, this guy looks like Danny DeKaiser." What <laughs> no, you? they're definitely staring at the car. Trust me. <laughs> they, they really are. Mm. So, so Wikowski has never driven it. He drove it once. Yeah, yeah, he drove it once. We drive trucks though. We, me and him both drive trucks. We like being up high, a lot of leg room. And, you know, it's, it's just trucks are a lot more comfortable than being squeezed in a tight little sports car. Because remember, when you first won this, I mean, the, the story was is that he was going to get it on weekends or something. Remember, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he had a big elaborate plan for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's it's a great car. He he doesn't really like it that much, but um, so we just we only drive it to the rink here and there. Really? Yeah. Well, well, how's fatherhood treating you? It's good. It's going good. It's uh, McKinley is, is about uh, five months now. She'll be yeah at the end of July here. She'll be five months. So it's been going great. She's she's getting bigger every day. And um, I never really realized it when people tell you that they grow up quick. They they really do grow up quick because I was looking at some pictures and it's crazy how fast she's grown. Is is, is it does she sleep through the night or do you have to she's, get up? She's just starting to yeah yeah. So uh, my wife Melissa she's got her on a pretty good uh, pretty good bedtime routine right now and. Um, like the past, I'd say the past month, she's been sleeping really good. So the uh, so this this probably worked out well with the it being the off season where she's getting her sleep pattern together. Yeah. At least if you have to get up, 
Yeah, yeah. Do you get up or yeah. do you oh, really yeah, go to yeah, your yeah. wife? No, <laughs> yeah. hey, look, man, I, I'm well, training. I, yeah, no, I get up. I mean, she gets up most of the time, but I <laughs> really I gotta get up sometimes. Yeah. So, so okay, so let's say you go to bed about one o'clock. You get up what when she starts, you know, fussing at like eight thirty in the you know in the, in the morning or something. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and I'm not going to bed at one o'clock. I'll tell you, <laughs> those days are long gone. I'm, really? I'm about sleeping at like nine thirty now. Oh, you really? Oh yeah. yeah. I'm I'm an, I'm an early to bed, early to rise. Kind really? Of guy, so what yeah. time do you get up in the morning? Uh, like today I was up at five. Jeez. Yeah, See, because I I told Danny I wanted to do this because I'm not a morning person. He said, mm. "How about ten a.m." I go to bed about three or four o'clock in the morning, so, you know, so I'm going on. The, well, what are you doing all night? Reading, studying this stuff. Yeah. You know, putting my elaborate plan for the Red Wings together to present to Ken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I do a lot of stuff like that. Actually, I do. I, I, I like to read. I really do, and you know, and so I, I, I truly, uh, I read like at night. Okay. You know, okay. I, you know, it's you know, supposed to make you go to sleep. You know, right? Because right. you know, I'm kind of high strung. Yeah, yeah. And, Reading helps for sure. Right, yeah. but if I like the book, I end up not wanting to go to sleep. You know, right, keep, keep right. reading. So anyway, yeah. enough about me because this is about Danny. Um, so fatherhood's treating you well. It's good. It's going good. You're you're a Red Wing through what 2021 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the team is going through transition. It's going in flux. When people meet you on the street or even relatives. What do they ask you about the Red Wings right now? Where you know, like the team, as I said, is in flux. Do they go, "Hey, what's going on?" Or yeah, yeah. you know, or keep your head up high, you know, or or, or whatever? Because you know, this is you grew up here. This is kind right. of almost un, not for me because I remember when they were the the dead things. Yeah. But uh, uh, you know, it's kind of unprecedented right now. What, uh, what what's the reaction to you been like in the public? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, people that I uh, that I know or people that know me, they just always ask, you know, how's the team looking for this year, stuff like that, and, or what do you think of the new guys, stuff like that. Um, I just saw, obviously, like you know, with the new draft picks, I don't I don't know a whole lot about them, just kind of what people like you tell me. So I haven't skated with any of them or not, but um, it sounds like we got definitely uh, some promising um, young players. So hopefully they come in and um, help the team out. See, people like me, I'm credible. Yeah. I'm a credible source. I'm playing for the Facebook Live. You sound credit. like it, anyways. I don't know. If yeah, you right, are, yeah. I, I, I you talk could a be good game. Me. I don't right. Know. Well, yeah. yeah I, of course I am. Yeah. Only, uh, but right. whenever right. I tell you you're, you're, you know, you're an excellent player, you know, I truly mean that. Uh, <laughs> so, so let's uh, let's move along because you're from you're from Detroit, Metro Detroit. Uh, grew up here. Went to De La Salle. And I'm looking, and I'm, I'm seeing all your, uh, you, you know, all the places that you went. And when the Red Wings drafted Seth Barton this year, defenseman, he was the third defenseman pick when they went with uh, uh, McIsaac, and then Regula, and then Barton. I see that he plays for the Trail Smoke Eaters. Okay. Now I've never heard of this team before, and then Craig Button schooled me and said that, and then I did look at them and they have a long list of NHL alumni they're pretty formidable and you know uh, uh, kind of almost iconic team you're from Detroit yet how do you end up playing for the Trail Smoke Eaters? Yeah uh, yeah that's that's pretty funny that was a, that was a good time out there I, it was, I was just well, out BC's there for a season, beautiful, but yeah yeah oh it's beautiful out there and yeah the uh, the bus trips in the winter were a little bit scary going through the mountains sometimes <laughs> yeah, but yeah. No, that was a great place. Yeah, I had I had great uh, great billet family there, great host family. Um, it, it was just kind of funny. I, I was just kind of bouncing around. It was right after high school, you know, so I was uh, 
looking for a, um, a spot to, you know, play juniors at. And um, there was, um, I don't know, you know, USHL, NAHL, um, and then I thought, from what I had heard, the, the Canadian BCHL league was pretty good too. So I ended up going out there for um, for a tryout, making the team, and um, stayed out there for a year and um, played out there. So it was, it was a good time. Did you want to get away from home or this area and just concentrate on hockey? And you found one of the furthest places away from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where if you you know the next level, you're going to be, you know, after after playing around here in high school or something, you're going to be moving away. So. Regardless of where it was, I was going to be moving away somewhere, but I just didn't know it was going to be that far away. You know, one thing that I learned when I started covering hockey many, many years ago, and, and I sort of knew this, but I was like on the cusp of where Americans really didn't really go anywhere. You know, they kind of played in the United States, and if they were good enough, maybe they'd get a college scholarship, and then it kind of changed where, you know, like like yourself, you go wherever wherever it is. I, 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 I'm kind of curious. I, I mean, can you talk about that experience? Because you're really young men, and then you travel thousands of miles away, and you're with a billet family, whom you know you don't know these people right, at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the adjustments and you know maybe their rules. I mean, can you talk about being a very young man trying to become a professional hockey player? Yeah. And being in an environment where you don't really know anybody. Right. Right. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's it's definitely it has its challenges for sure. You know, especially when you're. Um, a teenager, you know, and, and um, you're starting to kind of grow up, starting to kind of um, formulate, a, I guess, a plan for life or whatever, not really knowing what's going to happen. But, um, you know, it can be hard, but, but uh, the, the billet family that I had out there, they were great. Um, they, they made everything really easy, um, stuff like that. But it is hard, you know, first time being away from home, stuff like that. You feel like you're missing out on things from here. And, you know, I got a pretty big family here, so. I was always keeping in, in touch with them and seeing how things were going here. Do you keep in touch with your billet family from out there? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, they, they, they didn't lay down any, orga, you know, rules like you have to say organization instead of organization or anything <laughs> no, like no. that. I mean, no, uh, nothing like that. Um, roof, roof, roof. That was a big one for them. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Really? So no. they, they would always tell me it's not it's not a roof. That's what dogs do. You know, so. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that, yeah. Really? So, Which I guess is kind of right. Well, I, I guess so. But roof. so. So do you do you still speak Canadian at all, or, or are you pretty much down to the broken Detroit English? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not. I don't speak Canadian much at all. But every time I do hear, hear somebody say uh, "rough," it clicks in my head right away. Like, yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's one thing that I'll always probably remember. What was the weirdest thing that you had to adapt to living in Canada, as, as opposed? I know, um, you know. Look, I used to go to Canada so much, you know, with Windsor being here, that I thought that Ontario was like the 51st state. I mean, yeah, so, right, right. but but out west is a little different. It is, yeah. You, you know, yeah. so what was the biggest adjustment you had to make, maybe off the ice? Um, I, you know, I guess it, I don't know. It was Canada, so it was a little different. Uh, I guess currency-wise, had opened a different bank account there, stuff like that. Um, I guess that was the biggest adjustment. It wasn't too far from the border, which was nice. So if I ever needed to get back into the states at all for any reason, it was pretty close. Um, that, I guess that was yeah the biggest adjustment was the loonies and toonies. Loonies and toonies, right? <laughs> Is that are those dollars or what are they? Yeah, uh, toonies two dollars. Kind of makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah loonies a dollar. Okay. Um, when you're in a restaurant in Canada and you want bacon, do you? If you say bacon, do they give you Canadian bacon, or or do you have to say American bacon? Right. Yeah. No. I, I guess. Yeah. It was. Because you can eat bacon was, in 
not gain a pound. Right, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I guess the bacon thing for Canadians is kind of like um, like a ham sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, can, yeah I know what okay. Canadian, but I mean, we, bacon, but right? let's say you're there and so. you're, you want bacon and eggs, and you say, yeah, I'll have bacon and eggs, and then you end up getting Canadian bacon when you really wanted real bacon. Right, right. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't... You know, looking back, I guess I really never had that issue. But so you never had I, to uh, say American bacon. No, I don't think. Maybe I didn't eat that much bacon out there. I, I guess. Really. But normally you would. Like you know, now if I'm in Canada, I definitely say American bacon. Really? Do you? Yeah. Okay, I've never said American bacon. I just assume that they would know. Okay. Which is really being the ugly American. But they don't always know. No, they don't because right. they just assume so bacon then you get is a piece bacon. Of ham, pretty much. So Canadian bacon is not Canadian bacon in Canada. It's bacon. Right. It's bacon. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Our bacon, American bacon, USA bacon, is American bacon in Canada. Yep. Okay. I, I agree with you. We, I know I spent way too much time. Fun fact. <laughs> no, yeah, way, way too much time. <laughs> I, so I'm thinking when I hear about the trail smoke eaters, first of all, I'm trying to think, what is a smoke eater? I'm thinking maybe it's a firefighter or something, mm. you know? And I'm thinking, God, this logo has got to be really cool, really sharp. I think i got to get some, some smoke eater paraphernalia. So I go on their website and I look at the logo and it looks like two smokestacks or something. It's not exactly, you know, if I wanted to do that, I could go down, you know, downriver Detroit, take a photograph and put it on my, uh, put, you know, make Root t-shirts of that. Something. Right? Yeah, yeah, something like that of smokestacks just billowing away. What is their logo? Do you even know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have any idea. It does look like smokestacks or right, something, right. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, well, it's been like 10 years since I was there, so... It's, it's dating me a little bit, but um, yeah, there was like a big factory there where I think most of the most of the people in the town worked. Um, it was right on the Columbia River, and, um, and it just had two huge smokestacks, and it was kind of, I guess it was kind of like the icon for the city. Really? So it's, yeah, and then they, they threw it on the jersey. And that team that team goes way back to long, oh, oh, long time ago. It, it, they're historic. They right. really are. I mean, the list of NHL alumni, including yourself, is long and yeah, impressive. Yeah. I mean, like the 20s and 30s, like something like that. Right, right. So, so you don't, do you know what a smoke eater is? I actually don't. No, I don't even know. You never asked? or did I, I you? never really asked. I just, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just never really asked. <laughs> so when you, you know, you're a young man, you're walking around town, you know, you're, you know, you're not married or anything. You know, you go into maybe an establishment, and the first words out of your mouth are, "Hey, I'm a smoke eater." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not not quite. I mean, I don't go walking around in here saying I'm a Red Wing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to. People know who you well, are here. Yeah, but yeah, no, no, yeah, I definitely didn't. I definitely didn't ever say that. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Never, yeah. well, you, you know, it's probably good you did because they'd probably say, "Well, what is that?" Yeah, and yeah, you would right. say, "I don't know." Yeah, yeah. So that would not be a good opening line. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, the hockey team was pretty big there. They would probably, if you said you're a smoke eater, I think they would know. Yeah, they would, they would know. Yeah. Yeah. College kind of, you know, I, I really thought that for sure that it would be marketed in, but you know what? The name itself, I guess, is the best way to market it. Right, yeah. Uh, well, let's move on. Okay. Okay, you're, you've been a smoke eater for a year. You, you're doing everything. How do you get to Western Michigan? So after after my year out in trail out west there, um, I got I was drafted by Sioux City in the USHL. Um, so then I ended up going there for the for the main camp, making the team there. So I played there the next year, and then um, ended up. Uh, now is that like North Dakota? No, it's in Iowa. Iowa, okay, yeah, Sioux City, yeah. Iowa. I was actually gonna. Yeah, it's like in very western Iowa. So I was there, played there for a year, and then I ended up um, signing a commitment to to play at Western, and then. Um, 
finished up my season in uh, Sioux City and then moved on to Kalamazoo. Well, you know, as much as a culture shock as I guess being a, a smoke eater was, Iowa really had to be culture shock. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was. I remember they had the, the we, her, our arena was like right by the uh, Tyson chicken plant. So every time you're driving down the, the freeway, all you can kind of, all you smell is, you know, the, the food being processed there or whatever. And it wasn't, <laughs> Not chickens it wasn't being a, slaughtered, right? It wasn't right? a good smell, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Oh my gosh. Well, all right, so, so you're there. You, you end up getting to Western. Uh, Western Michigan, CCHA, I, I'm feel really bad that the CCHA isn't around anymore. Yeah, it's too yeah, bad. yeah it is. It, yeah. it really kind of blows. Yet at Western, is that where you come of age? Is that where you realize I can be a professional hockey player, yeah. NHL caliber player? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, coming out of uh, USHL, I, I, I didn't have a great year. I had a little bit of uh, injury there that year. And, uh, so I finished up. I finished up the season strong there, going into uh, Western, and then uh, when I got to Western, there was. I think we had eight eight defensemen and we had seven right-handed defensemen. So wow, I was, that's extraordinary. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. So then, um, you know, obviously me being a lefty, um, I got a shot right away and then uh, kind of took it and, uh, and ran with it. Had a good season there and kind of kept going. You're a left-handed defenseman. Are you right or left-handed? I'm, I'm right-handed. Right. Yeah. Are most left-handed shooters right-handed? And most left-handed people are right-handed shooters. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. right-handed, are most right-handed defensemen actually left-handed? And most left-handed defensemen are act, or, or right-handed defensemen are, you know, I'm not yeah, yeah. confusing myself. <laughs> yeah, now, now you're confusing me. No, I get what you're saying. No, I, I think uh, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I think most like the the right-handed shooters that we have on our team right. are still right-handed. Right. But. And, and same thing with like our left-handed shooters. A lot of the guys are right-handed, so I don't really know where that comes from. The thing that's weird for me is we have a lot of, or at least I just noticed this, like hockey players in general, left-handed hockey players at hockey are oftentimes right-handed in golf. So that kind of really? confuses me, yeah, because I play hockey left-handed, but I golf left-handed too. So when I see somebody who plays hockey left-handed and then they golf right-handed, Kind of, it doesn't really make too much sense to me. Really? So, yeah, that, yeah, that is that is kind of interesting. So you're at Western. Things are going well for you. When do you meet Luke Witzkowski? How does that all, this, yeah. this lifelong friendship that you have? With yeah, him? yeah. So I went into Western, and uh, Luke was, he was uh, he had been there for a year already. So when I was a uh, freshman, my freshman year, he was a, a sophomore. So he was already there a year. Ended up uh, living there a little bit in the summertime before um, the, my freshman season. And so I lived with Luke there. They put me up, uh, up with him for working out skating uh, over the summer there. That's kind of where I met him. And then um, we ended up start of the season being paired together. And then uh, it was going well. So the next three years after that, we were paired together the whole time. Um, he's a real happy-go-lucky young man. Uh, you know, tough out on the ice. I, Blash or Jeff Blash said many, many times that when he's in the lineup, he, you know, the Red Wings, not that you're comfortable, but you're, you're glad to see him there because he'll do whatever it takes to help the team win. Yeah. Um, was he always sort of off-center, off-beat when you met him, or through playing hockey or his role, he's become crazier and crazier and crazier? <laughs> no, he's just, uh, that's just kind of how he's, how he's always been. I mean, um, he's just, he's a big guy, big, strong guy. Um, ever since I met him, he's always, always been like that, I remember. Any any off ice conditioning or on ice conditioning uh, back in college that we used to do, he would always be, you know, pretty much 
far and above everybody else, like running, you know, running miles or running shuttles. He would always be the first one done, yeah. um, stuff like that. So he's he's always been in great shape, and um, you know, he's always kind of had a, a killer instinct. He's like he likes hunting and likes fishing, so maybe he gets it from there. I don't know. All right, it's time to get controversial here, Danny. That ten game suspension. Yeah. A load of junk, right? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that, you know, he, I thought he handled it well. When something like that happens, when you think an injustice has happened, you, I mean, you guys can't sit there and dwell on it in the room, obviously. I right. mean, but you lost somebody who was, granted, he doesn't play a whole lot, but mm. when he's in there, he's impactful and effective. What, how, how does that impact a team, though, where you know we've got 10 games to, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought um, that was that was kind of tough. I didn't really, obviously, I don't think any any of our team really agree with that suspension. I mean, he's skating off the ice and he's getting slashed in the back of the legs and stuff. He takes a half step over the, you know, three inch little. So you don't think the chuck he gets off. was calculated? He kind of knew what he was doing. Well, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think he actually knew what he was doing. He just kind of gave him a whack as he skated off. But I just, I don't agree with that. It's, it was. I, I thought it was more tough on um, Luke because. At that time, I remember, that's when I was hurt, so I was right, you know, right. watching a lot of the games. But at that time, he was—he had, I think he had been playing D for a few games, and he was looked like he was playing pretty well. He was making some good plays and you know playing good defensively. And then that happened. And then he, bam, he's out for ten games. So you know, I know I'm jumping around a little bit. I want to get back to you. You know, you're you're playing real well at Western. You're an unrestricted free agent. You have a lot of teams coming after you. Virtually, and maybe you can correct me, but. Almost every team in the NHL at least inquired about your availability or interest to sign with them. How did you end up in Detroit, and how close were you to signing with another team? Yeah, I just, um, I guess I kind of took it in stride and just wanted to be in a spot where I thought I had the best chance to, to play in the NHL. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, there was a lot of teams after me, but, you know, it, it would have been great to go to, you know, somebody who was winning the cup that year or whatever but I thought you know I thought Detroit and coming to Detroit that we had a chance to do that um had a decent decent run in the playoffs that year and ended up you know losing at seven to Chicago we, you know if we win that game who knows what happens but right. I just I wanted to go to a, a team where I thought I had a chance to play and a chance to get in the lineup what what was that process like can you take us through it a little bit I mean you know you grew up here but obviously you know you're you know you're a smoke eater for a year then you're in Sioux City Iowa then in in, in, but you grew up a Red Wing fan, then you were at Western Michigan, which is actually obviously in the state. Right. But, I mean, you walk into a room and here you see, I mean, what kind of pitch did the Red Wings give you? You see guys that maybe you grew up watching, I, you know, who's who's there? Is someone right. putting a hard sail on you? It's like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, I'm here's Ken Holland or Mike Babcock singing right. my praises. What, what what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, so I finished up at, at Western and then I went uh, right to Toronto where my, Mississauga, I guess, Ontario, where my uh, agent's office is. And I was there for, I don't know, five or six days and just kind of meeting with teams and stuff like that. And I guess just hearing everybody's pitch. Um, you know, there was a lot of teams that had had uh, guys calling, you know, like the Rangers had Messier calling in and stuff like that. So I heard from a lot of, you know, um, older veteran NHL guys, you know, who obviously grew up watching. Um, and I remember, like I said, talking to Messier. Um, Ken Holland had Lidstrom calling in. Um, there was, you know, I talked to Paul Coffey, Al McKinnis. I talked to a lot of guys. Now, Coffey's played for so many teams. Who was he lobbying for? Yeah. Edmonton? Or? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, um, yeah, I talked to him. And, I mean, all, all great guys, you know. So it was it was pretty pretty tough decision for me to make. Yeah, I think we can tell from, from your appearance around the Red and White Authority, you're a real jokester and prankster. I mean, when Mark Messier 
calls do you say who mark who <laughs> <laughs> i should have but yeah no no back then i probably wasn't in a position to be doing that you know maybe maybe after a few years in the league i could be pulling something like that but not not just no, a young college it's kid, like but. paul who coffee coffee no no i'm fine i don't need coffee <laughs> yeah. nothing like that no i didn't pull anything like that no Although it would be funny if I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're sitting in this room. You're getting all this uh, um, praise from all over, from you know, you know, future Hall of Famers, maybe current, you know, guys that are already in the Hall of Fame are calling you, trying to get you to sign with their team. I know Detroit is always going to be in your heart because you're from here, and deep down, when you're just a fan, you're probably always a Red Wing fan, or always looking if you're not playing for the Red Wings. Maybe let's say you know Messier put a good sell on you, and you're a Ranger. You know, maybe from afar, you're always saying, well, "How how are the Wings doing?" Mm -hmm. But how do you decide to go here? What what was the uh, you know besides maybe the the term of the contract and the money or whatever? But why did you become a Red Wing then? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, know, it sounds like you had, you know, you had every choice to go virtually anywhere you wanted. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I guess contract-wise, it didn't really matter because it was an entry-level deal. So you know, right, right. All, so they're all about the same, money, right? right? Yeah. Uh, it was just like I said, it was for me. I, I, I kind of went through like all the different teams' um, defensive cores and stuff like that, and um, so uh, you know, I, I get to Detroit and. You know, Lidstrom had just retired. Um, I don't remember if Rafalski was here or not. He might have just retired too. Um, I think, you know, Stewart was, they just got rid of Stewart, I think. And, um, you know, they were just kind of in a in a, in a spot where, like some somewhat of a transition. And, um, and I thought, you know, maybe it would be a, a good place to, to try to get a chance to play. I talked with uh, Babs, you know, and he said, you know, if you, if you come in here and you play good, you're gonna have a spot. So I, I thought that would, was pretty cool and, um, you know, coming here to obviously be in my hometown was part of it as well. You play 11 games for the Red Wings once you sign with Detroit. Babcock is effusive in his praise, which is almost unlike Babcock, especially for a young player. Uh, he says, and I was right there when he said it, we don't sign to Kaiser, we don't make the playoffs in, I think, 2013. Mm -hmm. um, probably great to hear from, for you. You know, but is there good and bad? Because when Mike Babcock says something like that, your expectation level goes from here through the ceiling, right? right. I mean, so added pressure, or you just don't get caught up in that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I try just not to get caught up in stuff like that. I mean, obviously, I heard what he said. Um, sometimes, you, you know, you can't get away from here and stuff, <laughs> which is kind of funny. You got people texting you, calling you, stuff like that. But you know, you're right. There's higher expectations, and just just the way the way the game is. So, as you're progressing, you know, you're getting some deals. You're 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 making you're making money. Um, describe where you think your game is at now compared to when you first started. Yeah, I mean, I think I, the last two seasons, I guess my um, production has taken a bit of a dip, and I'm trying to trying to bring that up. Um, you know, get back to where it was probably two, three seasons ago. Um, you know, but at, at the same time, the uh, the team has been in a, a little bit of a transitioning phase here over the last couple of years as well. We want to try to get back into the playoffs. You know, we missed the playoffs the last two years in a row, and um, we want to we want to change things and get into the playoffs and you know have a series at, at Little Caesars uh, come April. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at your stats, and you know, you've always been pretty much a plus player. 
but you look at 2016-17, you play all 82 games, four goals, eight assists, 12 points. The number that sticks out, obviously, is minus 22. Yeah. Now, the team is going through a transition. I, I mean, you know, and certainly, do you look back on it? Do you break down film? What happened specifically that year because it was unlike any other year you probably experienced during your whole hockey career? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was just a you know a rough year all around. Um, you know, I, it's, sometimes I guess that's that's the way it goes for for you know when when teams are out of the playoffs and they're at the bottom of the standings. I guess you know probably guys aren't going to have great plus minuses on that team. So that was probably part of it. Uh, part of it that year, you know, I, I mean, I'll be the first to admit I didn't have one of my better years that year, um, and so I just tried tried moving on from there. You can learn from mistakes and you try to just move on sometimes. Yeah, what, what, now, you know, obviously you're a proud man. You should be. You're in the National Hockey League. It's a very exclusive club. What are there, like 600 and some players in the NHL mm -hmm. in the entire world? So, you know, you're one of the very best, certainly, to be to be there. Uh, how do you try to get yourself out of it? Because, you know, you're a human being. You could go in the funk. You could start questioning your confidence. You could start saying, my God, you know, right. what, what's going on here? Who do you lean on? Is it teammates? Is it coaches? Do you, you know, do you just come out to the lake here and, you know, just stare at stuff and try to get your act together? I, I, yeah. I mean, it's a, I know everyone's different, but, you know, because you're a real level-headed guy. You always have been. You've always been up front. You've always spoken to the media, you know, not that you have to. You know what I mean? You, you're definitely a stand-up guy. How difficult was it for you to kind of work your way through that process? Yeah, I mean, it's it was it was tough. You know, I think, you know, we had a lot of guys on the year that, you know, were kind of maybe – Going into that summer, we're just thinking about the, the previous year and how you know trying to trying to change that and trying to get the team to um, you know get higher up in the standings. But I think that you know really the only thing you can do is just move on. You say you know you got to be better. You look at not whatever numbers you know points production whatever however it went. You just say well I just got to be better and you just got to move on sometimes. You know I, I think fans so, sort of get caught up like you know like. When, when a hitter is going through a slump in baseball, he looks at film and, oh, you know, I was dropping my knee just like a cent. Is there anything that a hockey player can do? Do you notice something? Or is it just working hard? Because we always hear, I got to work harder. I got to yeah. work harder. I got to work harder. Which, you guys are working your tail off all the time anyway. I mean, so there isn't anything specifically that you need to work on. It's just playing better, which is almost sounds kind of vague and ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Right, it does. I mean, it's. I guess hockey's kind of a funny game because it's not like you know you're not like a, a quarterback where you're working on your mechanics of throwing, and it's not like baseball where you, you know you're working on your swing so much. <clears throat> I mean, obviously there's stuff in hockey that you can do. You can work on your shot, your skating, your skill, stuff like that. But um, you know, hockey's just a, uh, to me anyway. Hockey's a game where you just you just go out there and play. You know, there's no it's set plays. It's instinctual. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no set plays. So. You just go out there and you play. So you know things that you can just work on over the summer. You know your skills, like I said, your skills, your shooting, stuff like that, and and just your determination, I guess, coming into the season, being more more determined to just to be better. Is it fair to say that what you really do is is that you say I have to recognize things quicker, or I have to realize, even though you know this because you've been in the league for a number of years, my time and space is. <laughs> Very right. limited. I mean, yeah, yeah, no sure. sooner is the puck, you, you almost have to know what you're going to do with the puck before you get it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, today's game, it just gets faster and faster every year. You look at some of the players that come in every year, and everybody can just really fly out there for the most part. Teams are faster. They're faster on the forecheck. 
Um, there is stuff like that, you know, you can look at, you know, breaking pucks out of the out of the D zone or or better decision making or just kind of knowing, you know, in certain situations, you know, what you should be looking for, where to move the puck, stuff like that. When you uh, you enter next, you know, this coming season, I remember talking to you up in training camp. You know, as I said, stand up. You say, yeah, I didn't have a great year. You know, I'm the first to admit. Right. Uh, uh, but you know, I really want to turn it around. You end up injuring your ankle in Dallas in the third game of the season. We were led to believe, I think as you were led to believe, and I'm not trying to knock any medical officials or anything like that, that I don't know if it was first like a high ankle sprain or a, you know, a bruised ankle, but it was sort of day to day. Right. So you're trying to, you're rehabbing it, thinking that you're day to day, and you're not getting any better. Mm-hmm. It's, re- it's reassessed or re-examined, and you have a broken, slight broken bone in your ankle, and you end up missing 17 games. Uh, you missed the most games of any Red Wing player last year, uh, 17. You come back, and by your own admission, you know, I think in your first 10 games back, you were a minus 11. Yeah, right. Uh, are you sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, this is last year all over again. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure I was, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I was, uh, yeah, I came back, and like you said, I think first 10 games I was like minus 11 or something like that. And it's not that it was, uh, you know, me just making a mistake every time out there. Sometimes there was bad bounces. Sometimes I was messing up, stuff like that. So it was kind of going both ways um, bad as it, as it could, I guess. And then, um, you know, I was just kind of looking. I was like, geez, this is, you know, this is trending towards last year again. And, um so I, I, I was trying to not have that happen, change that up. And then, um, you know, so after, after, I'd say after those 10 games, I think I got going. And the unfortunate part about that was, you know, those 10 games were basically in December or so. And then uh, by the time I did get going, it was January. So, you know, after that, I thought I was, you know, pretty good. But it was just the this, this start there in January. Do you feel the plus-minus statistic is a fair representation for a player? I know some players say, yeah, I, you know, I enjoy it or I like it. I think it's a true thing. Where other players say, hey, look, it. I could just be stepping on, an I- on the ice and a goal score, and suddenly I'm a minus player. Right, I'm not right. even in the play. I mean, where, how do you, you know, do you, should, when I say minus 22, do you go, yeah, I was minus 22, but really I was like maybe a minus 6. Yeah, yeah, I guess you kind of got to take plus and minus with a with grain of salt. You know, you got to look at it from both ways because, like you said, there's this. You could be, you could do nothing wrong out there and get scored on, or you know, pl- to me, plus minus is, um, I guess, more of a representation of a team stat, and um, obviously how the team's doing. You know, if you look at the number one team this year, they're probably you know, all high plus, and then you look at you know some of the bottom teams, they got a lot of guys that are minus, I'm sure. So you just kind of gotta, um, like I said, look at it with a grain of salt, and sometimes it can be a tough stat. When when the game's over and all you guys are looking at the score sheet, I mean, I know I think all of you guys probably look at it. We don't see you. You know, you're probably back in that where you know the the room where you need a retina scan now to get in. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's a lot different than Joe Lucerito. Let's say that. So when you look at that stat sheet, what when you know that you had a good game, what stands out on that stat sheet about your game? What do you look at first? You know, I mean, some guys are like, it's all about ice time, but some guys, you know, what stat really stands out where you say Danny DeKaiser played a good hockey game? Yeah. Um, 
You know, I, that's what's funny. I think, you know, my game, I don't know if there's, like, you know, always stats. Obviously, if you score a hat trick or something, you know you had a good game. For me, I think it's um, my game is just more about I, – I know if I played a game, you know, before looking at the stat sheet at the end of the game, obviously, I think a lot of guys probably do that too. But, you know, for me, if I'm obviously, if I'm a plus player at the end of the game and I have a few block shots and – I don't know, mix in a goal or an assist. I think that's a good game. You know, I, I, I was I, I asked Nick Jensen this question and I said, you know, and obviously your role's different on the Red Wings, but during the course of the game, if your name isn't mentioned, let's say, does that mean you're doing your job? Is that what you would like? Sometimes I would say, yeah. I, I think it, it's it's kind of dependent on the game too. Um, you know, I think if it's – like, like you said, if your name's not mentioned, that's that's probably a good thing sometimes, you know. And then if you know if you're mentioned a lot, getting a lot of scoring chances, that's a good thing too. So I, I think that can go both ways. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that you know sometimes if your if your name isn't mentioned, that's fine. Second year in a row, you get 12 points, six goals, six assists last year, but you're a plus two. I know in your last 51 games. You were only a minus player in 10 of them, and in your last 10 games of the season, you were either even or plus, and you worked your way up. You were third on the team in plus minus at plus two. Darren Helm was second at plus three, and lo and behold, Joe Hickets was led the Red Wings in plus minus at plus five. Yeah, right. uh, so, okay, certainly not great numbers, but... When you look, and you are getting reflective and you look back at it, I mean, you turned it around, which has to be very, I guess, comforting and a good sign heading into this season. Right, yeah, it is for sure. I, I, I want to uh, I want to um, try to start this season, you know, the way I, I played the last few months of last year. I thought, you know, that going into last season, <clears throat> I was, you know, pretty determined to start the year off really well. You know, sometimes bad bad breaks happen, bad things happen sometimes, and you just kind of got to get over it. Um, but I think I, I really like the way I finished last year, and if I can come out of training camp, start the season the way that I finished last year, that would be uh, really beneficial for the team. Who would you like to play with? Do you have a preference? Because it looks like maybe a couple of young guys might make the team this year, especially Philip Aronic. Do you know anything about him? Have you seen anything? You know, he had a great year in the AHL, rookie year, and can quarterback a power play. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. Here, I, I um, you know, just I haven't really watched him a ton. Just kind of when um, you know we have camp or whatever, like last year. Or sometimes you see highlights of guys sometimes online, stuff like that. Um, he seems like a really good player. Uh, I don't really have a. Um, you know, a, a guy who I'm like, I mean, oh, you I like to mentor with. somebody. Would you like to say, hey, this is pretty cool. I got a young dude here. I got a rookie. Uh, I'm kind of into this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that at all. I mean, I don't, I don't really care if it's a rookie, if it's a vet, but you know, like you said, if it's playing with a rookie and being the mentoring uh, guy in the pairing, that'd be pretty cool too. If you could get some chemistry and start playing well with somebody, that's always good. You know, I know, as I said, you missed 17 games. The Red Wings lost 27 one goal games last year, not all in regulation. I mean, it was like 10, 14 and 13. So you did get points in 13 of those. How do you turn that around? I mean, Blash is always saying, you know, it's, you know, you know it's better on the power play perhaps, specialty teams, but you know, that's extraordinary. 21 or 27 one goal games. What do you need to do? What do the wings need to do? I think special teams is uh, is a huge part, <clears throat> huge part of that. You know, we can definitely be better on the power play, um, and we can definitely be better on the penalty kill. I don't know exactly the percentages. I think we were below 80% on the penalty kill last year. That's got to go up. And you know, just I think just bearing down and finishing chances. Sometimes you know we seem to get a lot of 
we do get we we get chances, you know, and um, we don't always always bury those chances. I think that when you look at other teams ahead of us in the standings, you know, a lot of teams you look at Tampa or Washington um, when they get those good grade A chances, they're burying them a lot of the times. When you look at it, 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 do you do you see you say, geez, one you know we're losing a lot of one goal games. Is it? And what has happened the last couple of seasons is third period a lot of times you have the lead and then boom 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 you know I mean is it a lack of concentration lack of confidence because I know it plays upon some of your teammates minds it's like we're in the third period we got to hold that lead but if you're thinking about it nine out of ten times you're not going to hold the lead I mean right, it's, it's right. a real delicate balance that you're out there right when you have yeah. the lead and you know our record holding the lead we give it up a lot yeah no I think that's definitely something that's been <clears throat> a little bit lacking is our third period last couple of years. I think, you know, something we need to have a little a little bit of a um, better killer instinct and when we're up a goal, maybe getting that next goal, give us a, a bigger cushion or um, stuff like that or just bearing down, blocking shots and just, you know, chipping pucks out, being better at that. When, uh, I know we're almost out of time and uh, Danny and Andrew here want to take a dip out in the lake or something here so uh, we're gonna have to uh, uh, wrap it up but I've talked to you about this before I'm uncomfortable because you know one thing I learned when I started covering athletes longer than you guys have been alive uh, I never begrudge anybody for the contract they sign or the money they make you know it, to me I, I don't care you know I really don't yet there seem to be a lot of fans that care and you know you are constantly criticized not so much you know they don't really look at it every mistake you make is magnified you know every goal that you give up you know if you you know you miss a wide open net I've never quite understood this do you understand it people get down on you not because of that play per se but it's like he makes such and such millions a year why isn't he better but I mean, unfair criticism, or do you think that too? You know, it's, I guess in, in today's cap, NHL, you know, the salary cap era, everybody's always looking at ways to, to improve teams, you know, and so I guess, you know, if you have a down year or whatever, yeah, people are going to get on you. They say, oh, he slotted um, at this, and boy, he's not, you know, for, for the amount of money he's making, the cap, boom, he should be playing better. Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, I guess you could definitely say, you know, um, salary, goes a lot with you know player recognition um you know for fans and, and media and stuff like that i guess you could say um and you know if you're if you're making more money people de uh, demand more out of you well you know many years ago al kaline took flack because he turned down a contract for a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> he didn't think he was worth it today's athlete your current contract, the five or six year deal, whatever, what's $30 million, $5 million cap fit. When Ken Holland presents that to you, the Red Wings, do you sit there and say, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, or, or do you say, let me sign in blood? You know yeah, what I mean? Right, right. No, I mean, I think um, everybody who, who's at their job always wants a raise, you know what I mean? If you get presented with a raise, you're going to take it, obviously. Um, and yeah, I mean, today's NHL, there's not a whole lot of negotiation between like player and GM. Right. You know, it's all done through the agents and stuff like that. So, you know, the agents handle most of that stuff. So. You know, you, I think you have a no trade clause through the majority of your contract. Maybe the last couple of years, it's a limited trade clause. Right. 
when it's limited, do do, do you know that? Well, obviously, you if it's limited, then the teams that you're willing to go to are these teams that you believe in your mind are going to be competing for the cup if the Red Wings want to move you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they ever present you, you know, with the they want your list or whatever, I. I'm not 100% sure how it works. I've never been traded, but I guess you know they present you, or they, you have to present them with you know your list of uh, teams that you'd be willing to go to, something like that. So, you know, yeah. if the Red Wings came to you and said, "Look, Danny, we, you know you can go to such and such team, and you know they're a contender for the Cup, but you have a you know no trade clause. You're from here. Difficult decision to make, or do you really listen depending on the situation you're in, or do you, you know?" You're from you. You want to be a Red Wing your whole career, right? You know, right, I would yeah. assume. You know, I mean, I know if I played for the Red Wings growing up here, that's what would, would be my choice. But do you really have to look at stuff if things are presented to you that maybe eventually, and I'm not saying they they want to, that you know a, a deal comes where they think would be beneficial not only for the team but also for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, being from Detroit, I would I would love to play the rest of my um, career here. I <clears> know. <throat> um, I also know, like I mentioned in the salary cap era, that. Teams, um, you know, they they gotta, you know, look after their team and sometimes make changes. So, you know, that's how it would be if they ever if they ever ask me. Then you just present them with it and see what happens. But you know, like I said, I would love to play here the rest of my career. I know players are uncomfortable every time I ask them this question, but do you have a set point total in mind this upcoming season? Your expectation level for yourself and obviously for the team, it would be to get back into the playoffs. I would assume. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, if I, I don't really set any any um, you know point expectations. You know, I always try to um, I always try to beat career highs though, or you know, or wherever I was in the past. You know, so my obviously career high in goals is eight, and you know, points is thirty or whatever, somewhere somewhere around there. So I always try to um, just go out and, and try to be better than that if I can. Yep, thirty one. Thirty one, yeah. Thirty one, and uh, so. Everybody is ecstatic about the Red Wings draft. I mean, two years ago, everybody thought, wow, they were stretching on, reaching on picks. I know you guys really don't pay. You don't pay much attention to that, although it looks like that there's some players that are going to come out of the 2017 draft, namely Michael Rasmussen, who should make the team this year. But Philip Zadina, by all accounts going in, and I'm telling you this, there were supposed to supposedly three NHL-ready players. Shvechnikov, obviously Rasmus Dahlin, and Philip Zadina. He somehow miraculously drops to six. When the Red Wings take him, does your phone blow up and say, my gosh, can you believe you got Zadina? Or are you kind of far removed? It's your off season, you've got a baby daughter, you know, your wife, you're trying to enjoy your, you know, your off season or life, or are you saying, woo? I'm getting pretty excited about what I think we may or we may have. Yeah, no, I, I mean it definitely sounds like a great player. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, in the, in the off season and stuff like that. I, I used to, I used to know everybody who was getting drafted and stuff like that. But you know, now I'm, I'm like 10 years older than all those guys, so I'm definitely feeling old. And uh, um, you know, it's it's tough to keep track of all the uh, prospects and stuff like that from year to year. But you know, I, I just like I said, sometimes I go with what, what kind of people mention to me and stuff like that. So. He sounds like a great player, and um, I guess he had a, a really good uh, camp uh, a few weeks ago. So hopefully he just comes in and helps the team. All right, but, uh, two questions, and I promise we're done. Uh, finally, the true or false, you have a high metabolism or something. Uh, you're really the only Red Wing that Lisa McDowell, team nutritionist, would allow to eat pizza seven days a week. 
12 hours a day? Um, that would probably be false, but <laughs> probably not pizza, but she would want the calories coming in uh, probably a healthier form than pizza. But uh, no, she's pretty lenient with me and uh, you know, you got a box of Tim Hortons donuts in here. so. <laughs> Those, those are pretty good, uh, having a, one or two of those today. Um, but no, I, I try to I try to eat. You know, I, I still your eat calorie intake is to... astounding, though, especially during the season, right? To, to, yeah. to, to, you need to keep on weight, right? Because uh -huh. you just yeah. lose it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, during you know during any game, I'll I'll, I'll burn upwards of two thousand calories just in a game. So, you know, for a lot of people, that's their whole whole day's diet worth. So I gotta eat you know, up to 2,000 calories just to maintain, uh, just to maintain weight. Now, there is a rumor going around that you have to eat 9,000 to 10,000 calories a day in the season. Is that true, or <laughs> is it? It's it's not quite that high, yeah, but I, I just try to um, basically try to consume as many calories uh, during the year as I can, especially during, you know, during the playing season because um, it's, it's kind of a grind. You lose weight pretty easily. Um, but yeah, I also try to, you know, I just, I don't just eat, some people probably hear this, oh, he just eats cheeseburgers and uh, right, hot so dogs. You're fast guys. food all the time. You're always, you <laughs> yeah, know, you, right, you right. love this new quarter pounder, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, not quite. Fresh meat. Yeah, not quite. So it's got to be, um, it's got to be good, um, healthy, clean eating because uh, then, you know, it's uh, salmon and, um, you know, chicken and stuff like that. So it helps you feel better on the ice when you're, when you're eating healthier too. You're an outdoorsman. Do you catch your own meals a lot? I mean, you go out there and fish, you and Wikowski, you know, whatever, yeah. lake perch or whatever? Yeah, yeah, perch and walleye out in Lake Sinclair is pretty good. You know, so we have that, uh, not a ton, but here and there. And we'll, we'll go out there and have them make a day out of it. It's pretty fun. All right, uh, final question. I really appreciate you doing this, Danny. I really do. You know Andrew Kristoff, our fine technical producer uh, of the Red and White Authority. He's the yeah. guy that's always doing all the social media stuff. Wonderful human being. I, I can vouch for him. Uh, his greatest moment, he believes, in his high school hockey career, came against the De La Salle Pilots, and he believes it came against you. Andrew, you can now join the conversation. Explain what happened and... I think you're going to be disappointed. You think you scored a hat trick. You did against De La Salle, but you believe it was against Danny DeKaiser, a long, lanky defenseman who you uh, you schooled. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's correct. It was one of my highlights. But uh, that same lanky defenseman, he ended up scoring eight goals that game. I think it was Danny, <laughs> and then we lost eight to five. So, still, he's he was quite the stud back in high school, and he, as he is today. Do you remember? Andrew taking you to school. You guys are the same age, graduated the same year. Uh, do you remember that? And let's be honest, did you ever play hockey for De La Salle? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, I don't really remember that. Um, no, I, I actually, I didn't play hockey uh, for De La Salle, but I definitely know it wasn't me if uh, that defenseman scored eight goals, so we can uh, rule me out right there. <laughs> so, 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 Andrew, uh, yeah, yeah. If, so, but you're gonna keep telling people you scored on Danny DeKaiser, oh, right? For, oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mind, Danny? No, that's fine. That's fine. That's right. uh, 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 you're all. Did you? So, you, how did you graduate from De La Salle if you're not playing hockey, or were you still playing hockey in the state, or you know? So you weren't in high school when you were a smoke eater. No, I was. I had. I graduated high school. I, I finished playing AAA hockey around here in uh, in high school, and then. Um, my first year out of high school was when I went out, out to trail. All right. And uh, do you have any smoke eater paraphernalia? Uh, I do. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got some. I got some shirts and 
some uh, so gym have, shorts at home, stuff like that. Yeah, you have a jersey. You, I got a jersey. So you actually wear shirts that have two big smokestacks on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. do. People, people must think it's probably a shirt from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe they do. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, I, uh, I yeah, I'll, I'll throw that on when I'm working out sometimes. Yeah. Well, Danny, I had a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, you did too. I really enjoy it. You're, as I said, I, I've always enjoyed talking to you. You always make time for me, and you know, you know that I always throw weird stuff at you but you're you're a real good sport about it so i appreciate you being on the red and white authority uh stay healthy this year best of luck and uh, i really appreciate your time okay thanks i appreciate it